Good morning, Dallas, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. As always, Jono, another busy week in the sporting world. We'll start with the NRL. The Storm defeated the Roosters 46-0 on Thursday night, so a big win for the Storm there over the Sydney Roosters. The Dragons edged out the Warriors 19 points to 18, while the Panthers defeated Parramatta 13-12 in a top-four battle. The Seagulls trounced the Bulldogs 66-0. Titans defeated Canberra 44 points to 6. Newcastle defeated the Cowboys 38-0. Also, Kalen Ponga, the Queensland star, returned, so he inspired the Newcastle Knights. The Broncos upset the Sharks 26 points to 18, while South Sydney defeated the West Tigers 38-22. to All that means is Melbourne stay top, followed by the Panthers. South Sydney have moved into third. Parramatta round out the top four, while Manly have moved into fifth, while only two points separate eighth-place Sharks to the 13th-place Canberra. So, Jono, that bottom half of the eight, there's a bit of a battle going on to, to snatch those last few final spots. Yeah, definitely. And huge win by the Broncos as well um, in that kind of bottom bo- uh, place uh, battle there. And also, what a win for your Manly Sea Eagles there. Huge numbers get put on the board there for them. 66 to nil. That's a crazy victory there. Um, so maybe uh, your early season prediction uh, is, is coming true and uh, Manly's going to be staying on the top there, it seems like. But yeah, battle for the bottom right now, it looks like, um, out there for the NRL. State of Origin Game 3 size were also announced. Uh, New South Wales have gone with a new halves pairing due to the injuries to uh, Cleary and Luai. So Jack Wrighton and Mitchell Moses will start in the 6th and 7th for New South Wales. While Queensland welcome back Kalen Ponga as well as AJ Brimson. So hopefully they'll give them a little bit more attacking threat. So um, Game 3, as I said, not 100% where it's going to be played. They're hopeful to stay in New South Wales, but Newcastle looking like the most likely destination for next Wednesday night, the 14th of July. AFL, Melbourne. So there was a little bubble for the Sydney teams, um, obviously due to the COVID situation here in Sydney. Uh, Results, Gold Coast upset Richmond 77 to 67. Geelong defeated Essendon 98 to 57. GWS had a great win, beating Melbourne 64 to 55. Brisbane defeated Adelaide 111 to 59. Carlton beat Fremantle 80 to 64. Port Adelaide downed Hawthorne 87 to 53. Sydney had a huge win over West Coast 118 to 26. St Kilda chalked up another win, but defeating Collingwood 70 to 61. While Western Bulldogs defeated North Melbourne 108 to 79. The Western Bulldogs stay on top on percentage ahead of Melbourne, while Brisbane and Port Adelaide round out the top four. Between fifth place Geelong and top of the table Western Bulldogs, there is only one or four points between them. So a tight battle for that top four, Jono. Yeah, definitely a tight battle. And Melbourne dropping points at GWS was huge this week, especially with an upcoming clash against Port Adelaide. Um, So we could see Port kind of gaining some ground there as well against Melbourne, who seemed to be um, off and on at times. And um, yeah, huge loss for them, I feel like, in the standings against GWS this week. But um, but looking forward to to see how they come out against Port to see if they can kind of gain some ground on them. Or if um, Port Adelaide is going to go even on points with them. So we'll be uh, interested to see in this next coming week. So in the football, two huge international tournaments coming to the pointy end, Jono. Uh, we'll look into the Euro semifinal preview a little bit later on. But uh, the Copa America semifinals also about to take place this week. Brazil take on Peru, while Argentina take on Colombia. I guess the main talking point around this is a potential Neymar versus Messi 
Copa America final, John. How do you uh, how do you see this going? Yeah, huge. I mean, like you said, everybody wants to see that Brazil-Argentina final, but um, big games to play first. I mean, Brazil versus Peru, you never really know as well in the Copa America. It seems like something always happens. There's They're just gritty games. They're uh, full of energy. It's end-to-end. You get red cards, you get hard tackles, you get everything in them. So you don't actually know um, what could happen. Brazil, of course, are the favorite in this, but Peru are still a tough side to beat. Um, and then Argentina, Colombia, you never know what could happen. This Colombia has always been a, a good team and in recent times has always been quite solid. Um, Messi's been playing great, though, for Argentina. Same with Neymar for Brazil. So realistically, both of them, I'd say Argentina and Brazil are the favorites. But as I said, you just really don't know what could happen. And in the Copa America as well, you know, there's no extra time here. So some teams could grind out that full 90 minutes and it goes straight into penalties. And as we could see from the Euros and the Copa so far, anything could happen in penalties. So um, definitely looking out for this. I'd love to see that Neymar versus Messi, um, but I just want to see some good games here, and I think that we're going to be getting them as well. Also being played on, I guess, the backdrop of, of no crowds in Brazil, uh, so that could have an impact as well on the semis. Peru have been playing some actually some exciting football during yeah, the tournament, while Colombia have been their tough selves. So uh, two intriguing semifinals this week to see who will be contesting the Copa America final uh, this year. Wimbledon. The round of 16, we're in the round of 16 here. Ash Barty, the Australian, she's through. She's taking on Barbora Krejcikova um, in the round of 16, while a couple of big Americans also alive still, John. Madison Keys will take on Victoria Golubuch, and Coco Goff, the young, exciting American, will take on Angelique Kerber. So um, some intriguing round of 16 in the female side of the draw in the men's. Novak Djokovic will take on Christian Garin and Roger Federer will take on Lorenzo Sonego. So obviously both men still alive and, and obviously hoping to add another grand slam to their amazing records. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in Wimbledon as we get to the later stages in that tournament. NBA, Jono, and I know you're a very happy man at the moment. The Milwaukee Bucks will take on the Phoenix Suns. First game of the NBA Finals is on Wednesday morning Australian time. Jono, how excited are you? And, and do you think the Suns can do it? Oh, look, I haven't stopped celebrating. I think it's great that the Phoenix Suns has got there. Um, you know, from the start of the season, I thought they were going to be a tough team. They made it to the finals, exceeded, I think, everybody's expectation. Um, now they're playing a box team. And I know that Giannis is a bit banged up and a little bit injured there. But the team is still going to be – the Bucks team is still going to be hard to beat, regardless if Giannis plays all the games or a couple of the games in that series. Um, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think they're solid defensively. They have some big men who are presence. They have really good, um, you know, structure and they play as a team, especially when Giannis is not there. They know that everybody needs to contribute, but um, man, the Phoenix Suns as well are looking good right now. I feel like CP3, what he's been able to do, Chris Paul there, uh, what he's been able to do and help Devin Booker just become the player that he should be, as well as the supporting cast that we've had. I think it's going to be a tough series regardless. I, I don't think it's going to be by any means an easy series, even series in terms of re- which way it's going to go. It's not going to be a sweep or anything like that. I think this is a series that's going to be going maybe at least six, possibly seven. Um, definitely dependent on how healthy Giannis is, if he can kind of play. I think that will either, you know, the Suns, I think, you know, potentially will have a little bit, of, of course, an easier time if Giannis is not playing. But if he steps up and plays, um, it's going to be tough to defend against him because it'll be a, a big battle for Aiton, Crowder, all the other big men that we have for the Phoenix Suns to kind of contain Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and the other supporting cast. So really interested to see. I'm hoping the Phoenix Suns, but um, we'll just have to see what happens. 
a huge moment for both franchises and, and hopefully, as you said, it'll be a intriguing and, and close series, which um, if it goes six or seven, we should be in for some great basketball between the Bucks and the Suns. Formula One, Max Verstappen has extended his lead at the top of the Drivers' Championship after taking out the Austrian Grand Prix. Vettera Bottas and Lando Norris finished second and third, while defending champion Lewis Hamilton finished fourth. So uh, Max Verstappen looking good to possibly take the Drivers' Championship away from uh, Lewis Hamilton, Jono. Yeah, I mean, as we always said, we're a huge fan of Lewis Hamilton, but it's always good as well to get those other names in there, and he's just looking unstoppable at this point. So I'm just continuing to grind there, and um, we'll see if anybody can kind of catch up. And in the Stanley Cup, Tampa Bay, uh, by the time this podcast goes to where they may have wrapped this series up already, but they're leading the Canadians 3-0. Uh, they could wrap it up all Tuesday morning Australian time. Uh, Tampa Bay, John, have just been scintillating in this uh, Stanley Cup final series. Oh, just amazing. I think they really set the, set the tone as well of what the series was going to be in that first game. Um, just going out there and just getting some big wins as well. I mean, they're showing why why they made it there essentially this season. They're proving to everybody. Um, and we'll just see if, you know, if maybe they can stretch it another couple games here or something like that. But it looks like Tampa Bay is pretty much going to wrap this up. Either, maybe it could be tomorrow or even in the next game after that. But um, they're just looking way too strong at the moment. In one of the most, I guess, divisive sports stories that's come out over the last week, Jonna, um, Olympic 100-meter runner Shah Carrie Richardson. So she uh, she finished first in the Olympic trials for the 100 meters and qualified for the U.S. Uh, Olympic athletics team, but has uh, been banned for a month due to uh, marijuana being found in her system. Um, Jonna, I guess, looking at this story, um, initially is, is what were your feelings in terms of the ban and, and sort of was this fair in terms of what was obviously found uh, within her system? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this is kind of a tough one because you look at marijuana as a whole is predominantly legal in most states within America. And so when you kind of look at that in, in terms of things and technically she was doing something that was legal, but um, by, I guess, Olympic ruling, it's it's on the banned substance. And it is a weird one as well, because you would think that, you know, in a sense, marijuana would be something that would actually um, hurt her performance instead of enhance her performance. And in most cases, you should be testing for performance enhancers. Um, so very, very interesting here. The one thing that I really would um, like to highlight is the fact that she really owned this as well and didn't say, oh, no, the test was wrong, or I didn't do this or anything. No, she openly admitted to it saying, yes, you know what, I did do this, I did take part in this. And you know what, yes, it was wrong. I realize that now, and I'm just going to try and do better. So I think for someone who's 21 years old, and going to compete in the Olympics at a very young age, I think that was really commendable for them to kind of step up and own the situation and not just try and find excuses for what happened. Um, and I think you see time and time again, especially in the Olympics, that, you know, athletes really do try and find another way of, of, of essentially um, brushing over the fact that they that they participate in these essentially drug offenses. But in this case, I think she really owned it. And that's a great thing. And, and look, there's a potential that we might still see her in the Olympics um, in terms of when that ban is going to kind of lift. Um, so I'd really love to see that because I think she put in a lot of the hard work. But um, overall, I mean, for me, I think it's just great to see that she really owned this situation in this case. Do you think it will open up a discussion in regards to that ban list and possibly updating it for 
the times that we are now in, especially as you mentioned in the US, you've got many states where marijuana or, or cannabis is illegal, is legal now. It's not illegal to, to have it. Um, do you think there needs to be a discussion around the ban list and, and possibly updating some of those uh, some of those things that are on that list? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think when you when you look at any sort of um, ban list for for any kind of sport or anything like that, it needs constant updating. And I think that it does really need to be focused on those performance enhancing drugs as well. Um, and I think that you have to look at everything with a perspective as well of you know the times um, legality of it as well. And in this case, I mean, I'm sure that there's other substances on that list as well that may still to this date be banned, but have been found that, you know, it has no effect on the athlete or something like that. Because a lot of these substances that go on this list are maybe unknown at the starting point and might be seemed as an enhancer or, you know, something along those lines, but in terms are deemed not later down the road and might not get removed right away from this list. So I think that this needs to be constantly updated and constantly, constantly looked at as well. Um, and make sure that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's out there to the, to the public as well. So we know as a viewer as well, what they're looking for in these tests, it shouldn't be a test that all of a sudden now they're looking for marijuana or maybe they weren't necessarily looking for that in the past. It needs to be out there to the public, what exactly they're testing for. So we all have an understanding as the fan base who's supporting all these athletes, but I definitely would say that there needs to be review of this. Um, on a constant basis, not just prior to the Olympics, but on a constant basis of what is on that list and what's not. Well, a lot of the time too, it's, it's usually a particular ingredient that may be within some of these drugs or, or um, banned substances. So not necessarily everything within that drug, but a particular um, ingredient that obviously uh, either looks to enhance uh, an athlete's performance um, or in this case, is a is in deemed as a as an illegal drug, yeah. um, even though we have obviously the contradiction in the states where where we now have it as a legal drug um, in many of the states. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this case moving forward. And obviously, in terms of even looking forward to your next big international meet and sort of how uh, these drug or ban lists uh, are put together. The other interesting thing with this case is that she actually will be available to run in the relay team on August 5th because her ban finishes on July 27. So she will miss her individual event, but she actually will be available to run in the relay. So do you think the US obviously track team should let, should allow her to run um, for the relay team? Yeah, personally, I, I would like to, I would like to see her there. Um, like I said, I think, if she handled the situation a little bit differently, maybe that would change my perspective on things. But I think just based on the way as well that she handled this situation, um, that I, she should definitely be allowed. And yeah, the whole the whole issue, it's, it's, it is a really hard thing, as you kind of brought up as well, that, you know, it's technically legal in most states in America and in other places around the world. So it's, it's a hard, it's, it's hard when you look at things like that, because, you know, it's legal in some places, but maybe not legal in, in, in other places. And you do have um, you know, a lot of major athletes um, and all different sporting organizations within America, even investing in these marijuana companies and things like that. So it's, it's, it's definitely a, an issue that needs to continuously be looked at um, as we keep going into the future, because it's something that's going to be coming up time and time again, and it should be consistent across all the major sporting bodies. Um, not just one or two in particular. So I think it needs to be kind of looked at as athletes as a whole. 
um, and what what should and shouldn't be deemed you know punishable uh, for for having these kind of drugs in your system. For her case, I do hope she at least gets to run in the realize because I think she is a breath of fresh air and just her flamboyant um, look even um, mm. and obviously the way she obviously interviews as well. I think she is a breath of fresh air and it'd be great to see her compete at least in the realize um, for this Olympics um, rather than the whole dream being taken away. But as I said, hopefully it opens up an important discussion as well around um, banned substance list and, and sort of moving forward whether or not there should be some adjustments to that um, when it comes down to, to cases such as this. So um, certainly has brought it to the media and brought it to the fore. And it'll be interesting to see um, what happens moving forward. I guess in the other major event this week, Jono, we've got the Euro 2020 semifinals. So we're down to the last four. Uh, Wednesday morning, Italy take on Spain, while Thursday morning, England play Denmark. We'll start with Italy, Spain Wednesday morning, Jono, at Wembley. Um, initially, how do you see this game going? Obviously, the big loss of Spinozola. Um, on one side, he's been an absolute revelation for the Italian team and really uh, brought light to that and life to that Italian team. Uh, who do you see going in possibly to replace him and how do you see the Italians uh, overcoming that loss? Yeah, I think that um, Spinozola is—it's a huge loss. Um, we wish him a speedy recovery. And Achilles is is a hard thing to recover from. Um, I think it just depends as well how Mancini is going to approach this game and how he wants to kind of situate that back line. Because I think Italy, as a whole, are pretty versatile in terms of um, how they can play defensively. And also, right now, I think that Benucci and Cialini have been playing really well together. So it also depends. I feel like how he wants to situate them. Now we have said you know, in the past as well, that Spain have been having a bit of problems scoring goals. Now we saw, you know, there's a couple of games where they just scored out and out um, crazy amount of goals within a couple of games. But at the same time, um, I think Mancini is kind of thinking about that as well, that there are times where Spain might not be able to create as many chances. So how he's going to situate the defense is might be based off of that. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure to be fair, but I think just going into this game, we just still have to continuously make sure that our wing play is strong um, for the Italians because I think they've done a great job of getting it out wide and then bringing it back across. Um, that's where we've been quite dangerous. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how we do fill that gap. I mean, I think that there's loads of talent on that bench. And I, I mean, you've seen them play uh, throughout the Euros as well, done a great job in rotating. So you've seen all the abilities that Italy essentially has on, on that bench there. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. And I just think that this match is really just going to depend on which Spain we see. Um, I think Italy has shown that they're pretty consistent throughout this tournament. So I'm hoping that we still see that, that Italian team that we've been seeing in the tournament, but it just depends in terms of what Spain are we going to see? Are we going to see that lackluster Spain that isn't able to score? Are we going to see that Spain that can light up in front of goal and just take, take players on? So it's going to be really interesting. I think it comes down, like I said, more to how Spain performs more than how Italy performs based on what we've seen previously in the last couple of games for me. I think in regards to Spinozola, I think Emerson possibly could start on that side. I know he came on when Spinozola did go down injured and he still does give you that attacking threat as he does like pushing forward. But as you said, it'll be interesting to see how Mancini looks to um, shape that back line. Yep. I say midfield and, and up front, you'll probably go with with who he's been going with. That sort of obviously worked. Uh, Verratti sort of cemented his spot in there. Unfortunately for Locatelli, he's had to, yeah. to take a place on the bench again. Chiesa was dangerous. 
in the quarterfinal, so I can see him obviously starting again. The only other one would be interesting if he went with Immobile again. He, he struggled Immobile with his touch in the quarterfinal. He he sort of he made he worked hard for the team, but whether or not he uh, looks to make a possible change um, up front will be interesting to see how Mancini goes. On the other side, with the Spanish, as you said, they've been hot and cold this tournament. Yeah. Um, obviously, scoring five goals in successive games, and then obviously last game, I struggled again to sort of create. Um, the other area that I think they have been struggling is that centre back. I think Laporte and Torres both being left-footed centre backs. I don't think they look as comfortable playing together. There's definitely issues there, and I think the Italians will have opportunities to go at this Spanish. Who's been impressive for Spain, though, we've mentioned him before, is young 18-year-old Pedri. He's yeah. going to be some player. Um, he's for obviously club and country. Uh, so I think he's a key for this game. And also having Busquets back, how he controls that midfield, especially against the Italian midfield, which has been working so well. Yeah, and, and, and I think a big point that you said is um, essentially looking at what are the Italians going to line up in terms of striker? Is Immobile going to be in there? And then also how the center backs of Spain handle him. Because if anything, this could be Immobile's game to be able to take advantage of, of the problems that they've been having. I think he does all the hard work. But yeah, for Italy right now, he's been struggling a little bit in that final touch. Um, but he's still getting those runs in, still drawing out the defenders. And sometimes that could be the difference. We've kind of said this as well uh, with Harry Kane, you know, when he had a little bit of early tournament struggles as well. But the difference is as well that he's still drawing out those players. He's still that point player. So sometimes it's also those contributions off the ball. Um, but it, I would love to see Mobley start firing because I know what he's capable from what he does for at club level. And this potentially, if he gets the start, this potentially could be that game because, as you said, Spain's centre-backs uh, have been having problems. You know, they, they, they've been looking lackluster. I think that's their biggest weakness right now. So it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, raise to the, raise, rise to the occasion there and actually perform against them and take advantage of that. But um, yeah, I'm also very much looking forward to see Pedri as well and see how this young lad just keeps performing. And it's great to see him uh, keep going. And this is the sky's the limit for him actually right now. So we'll see what happens. Well, as we always say, games uh, sometimes won a loss in that midfield. I think it's going to be a true indication, especially in this game where I think midfield is both a strength for both teams. We're interested to see how um, each of them play. A tip, Jono. I think I know where you're going to go out with this one. Um, who is going to win Italy, Spain? Who will be making the final of Euro 2020? Yeah, I mean, I haven't gone against them at all tournament. I'm not going to go against them now. My Italian team is uh, they're going to win. They're a pre-tournament tip. Yeah, they, uh, they are going to win this game. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy, like I said, um, but it just depends on what Spain shows up, how, how hard the game will be. But I got to go with Italy for this game. I'm going to go with Italy as well. I just can't see past um, their performance. And I think Spain have just have been too erratic and, and there have been too many issues both up front and um, at the back for Spain. In saying that, obviously, Spain have won it three times. They can they can certainly, on their day, compete with anyone. But I Definitely. think Italy will have a little bit too much. And the way Mancini has got your team playing as yeah. a team, um, I think will count um, and get Italy to the Euro 2020 final. Thursday morning, it's coming home apparently. England <laughs> playing Denmark at Wembley. We'll also have uh, 60,000 people. So I think it's going to be at 80% capacity from what we understand in terms of the crowd. So that's going to be great to see crowds at both semifinals. England, Denmark, Jono. England obviously going in this hot favourites here at home, but they're playing against the fairy tale team of the tournament, everyone's second team. Um, 
how do you see this game going? And, and obviously the other big question, Mark, is who will Gareth Southgate go with in his starting lineup? We obviously saw in the quarter finally start with Jaden Sancho, hadn't seen much game time. Um, Phil Foden seems to have dropped back out of the squad. Will, who will he go for and how do you see, especially up front, England lining up? Yeah, I mean this is this is the this is the game, you know, this is the one that you want to look for. It's England, everybody knows what happens to England in these major tournaments, but I feel like that this is their opportunity to prove everybody wrong and actually um actually bring it home essentially. Um and it's going to be really interesting as well to see if Denmark just continuing to just battle as a team um if they just have the 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 grits to just grind out another result here. Um, I think that, yeah, as you said, the big question marks are going to be about what what are we going to see for England? Um, I think Sterling has kind of cemented his spot in that starting lineup for me. Um, I, you know, I know he gets a lot of criticism, but he also he was just able to create um, and do what he essentially wanted in this last game. I think Harry Kane, it was really good to see him get on the score sheet. I think he needed that confidence wise as well. He was struggling a little bit in front of goal into what we're used to for Harry Kane. Uh, so for his standards. Um yeah, and that other that other side, I'm I'm not exactly sure what we'll see. Um, I would love to see Sancho play again. Um, I think that'd be great to see him, but it just kind of depends. You never know with Southgate now at this point. It's, you know, it seems like every game he puts out a different lineup. Um, I'd love to see Jack Grealish in there, of course, as well, because I think he's one of the most talented players for that England squad. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game because this is, you know, essentially everybody knows the talent that England has, and now it's going to be against a team that's just as we said. From the start, this is a team that's playing for something else. They're a team that's playing as one, and everybody loves them right now for what they've been able to do. Um, you know, they they struggled there at the at the start when they when the Ericsson when everything happened for Christian Ericsson, um, and then to see them kind of just keep continuing and just keep battling out these games is great. So it just is really going to depend on if England can just start firing on all levels, or if it's going to be that England that every now and then struggles in these top moments, because look, they've reached these points before, but as we said, it seems like that from time and time again, they struggle in these big moments. Um, and I'd love to see them go past that this year and reach the finals. But, um, you know, I wouldn't put it past Denmark. They're playing for something else right now. They're playing for something bigger than football right now as well. And like I said, they're one team, one nation, they're everything right now. Um, but, uh, but England just looking strong as well coming into this. So it'll be really interesting. Well, as you said, amazingly, Denmark were bottom of their group after two games on zero points. And now they find themselves in a semi-final on the brink of making an historic final here. Um, when you look at the Dane team, they've actually got – it's a quality team. Obviously, the, the loss of Ericsson was big for the team. But you've got Delaney and Hoiberg in that midfield. So a really tough workman-like midfield, but can also create – um, you've had Casper Dolberg up front, who's been impressive, uh, while even Martin Braithwaite in behind, and Jan Mikkel Damsgaard, who's been really impressive in this tournament. The Danes, uh, they won't go scattered into this game, and I think they'll um, they'll pose some questions to his English defence, who uh, who haven't let a goal in yet. Yeah, I mean, when you even look at the the Denmark team, and and that's always sometimes a, it's you know it's actually I think what happened with Sweden as well that you know when you just have a, a team that not necessarily full of superstars or anything like that. Sometimes they can just join together that much more and play for each other. But then when you have those teams that are just full of the stars, you know, you look at even like a France, something like that. Sometimes you get caught up as playing as individuals. And, and I think that for this Danish team, they just, they have enough talent that all these players are talented. They're all playing at high levels. 
Um, and then because they're not just full of those superstar talents, they're still talented and high-class players, but they just play for each other that much more in comparison to maybe some other teams that are just loaded with those high-profile names. So in this case, I actually think it's working to, to their advantage that they're not full of these super, everyday superstars that you know every every everybody uh, on the street knows of, but they're still in there. They're still that talented team, and, and each one has the potential to to go up to that star power. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing this Danish team just continue to perform. But um, but yeah, I think it's actually to their advantage in comparison to England, who's full of that star power. Everybody knows the players on the English team. Um, sometimes also they get heavily criticized because of that, because everybody knows who they are. So of course they're just pointing the fingers right away. Whereas, you know, sometimes a team that could fly a little bit under the radar is is the team to look out for. So it'll be really interesting to see uh what kind of game we we get on our hands. All right, Jono. Who will be playing Italy in the Euro 2020 final? Okay, I, I, it's gonna it's gonna come home. We'll see. Uh, finals at, at least. Um, so I think I think England's gonna take this. You know, I'm not gonna put it past the the Danish there to uh, to give it all that they got and look potentially could scrape in a last minute goal or something like that to make it really interesting. But I think that the quality that England has. Um, I think they should. They really should be um, should be uh, taking this in and taking it to the finals. So, um, might be that Italy England finals, and I'd love to see that. I'm going to go England as well for the criticism Gareth Southgate and his team have had, um, and we've criticised him on this show. Um, there is a sense of calmness around the squad, and they seem to all be buying into to Gareth Southgate's tactics and the plan. So, I. Uh, be great to see the Danes do it, but I think England will just prove a little bit too strong at home as well in yeah, Wembley. So I think that's a huge thing I as well. It'll be the Italy England final, but we'll find out Thursday morning. Yeah, uh, we will know our Euro twenty twenty finalists. Now, as always, to end the show, Jono, I've got five quick questions. I'm going to be asking Jono the questions this week. Let's Ready to it. go? Let's do it. All right. I know we've discussed this issue before, but now that Messi is officially a free agent, can you see him leaving Barcelona? You know, I, I, I've said before. You know, we we did discuss this before, but thinking about it again, I just can't see him in another uniform in another place. You know, I know his contract technically ran out and everything. They also brought in his, you know, one of his best friends in Aguero to kind of uh, boost. His, I think essentially relationship wise to make sure that he's happy at the club. I, I can't see him leaving now at this point. And um, yeah, just I just wouldn't. I almost wouldn't want to see him leave now. Now that I have a little bit more time to reflect on it. I just want to see him play out in that Barcelona uniform. I think it's great. Um, I think it's great for the sport as well. So I'd love to see him stay. And I, I can't see him in another uniform at this point. Yeah, the only club that seems to be talked about is PSG potentially in terms of being able to uh, pay for, for Messi. Obviously, we talked about this issue just before. Should marijuana be taken off the banned substance list? Look, for me, I'm coming from America as well, where, like I said, it's it's pretty much legal everywhere. So I think yes, um, personally. And I also think as well that, you know, when I, when I think of banned substances, I think it should really look at performance enhancers, steroids, things along those lines, uh, not something necessarily like marijuana. So I would say yes to, to removing it from the banned substance list. Be interesting to see what happens moving forward. All right, regardless of whether the Phoenix Suns win the NBA finals this year, do you think the team is set up for a sustained run of success? That's that's a hard one because you know 
it depends on uh, how far ahead you want to look. I think it, it's essentially... Say the next couple of seasons, Jonathan. <laughs> um, yes, for the next couple of seasons, but I think that what we need to focus on then is after this year, we need to find that replacement for Chris Paul. Um, I think it's shown the value of having a true point guard on that team. So I think if we can find a good young replacement that he can mentor for the next couple of years, then yes, we will be a force to be reckoned for year after year because Booker and Aiton are still very young. Um, but I think it's really dependent on if we can find a re- young replacement to start for Chris Paul to start mentoring um, into the future. So I think for the next couple of years, we'll be fine. But after that, uh, we'll see depending on who we can bring in in that point guard position. Absolutely. If Manchester United sign a Rafael Varane has been in the headlines, could this make them a genuine title contender? Along, obviously, with the signing of Jaden Sancho, which has already gone through. Yeah, I mean, um, you look at the talent on their roster now as well, and young talent in that sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put past them. I mean, finishing second on the table this year, um, and then, you know, hopefully um, Sancho has a great season at United, and if they can bring in Varane to just shore up the back line as well and just be another force back there. Um, I think they could definitely do some damage in the season. Um, and, you know, the Premier League, you know, you have your favorites every year, but, you know, it's, it's always up for grabs in that sense. So I would definitely say if they could sign Veron just secure that back line as well even more, they could definitely um, be one of the contenders this year for sure. And we saw particularly this weekend, are the blowout scorelines in the NRL bad for the game? There's been a little bit of discussion around why they're occurring so frequently by the looks of it. What do you think of the of the score of these blowout scorelines, Jono? Yeah, you know, with whenever you have a you know blowouts happening week in and week out, it is hard sometimes because you know you don't want your fan base to essentially get bored and then just not turn on the game or go to the game because they think that oh no, this game's not going to matter. You know, it's just going to be a blowout anyway. I don't think blowouts necessarily are bad if you can <laughs> kind of shape it where. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. That sometimes it's not always the same team blowing out the same teams. As long as there's a bit of difference in that, I think it's okay. But if it's going to be consistently the same team always blowing out the bottom of the table or the, or, or the bottom of the table always getting blown out every single week, that's when it's bad for the sport, I feel like. But if sometimes you can have those mid-level teams or even a top-of-the-table clash and one team just completely blows them out of the water, I think that's fine. But if it's that bottom table just getting blown out week in and week out, that's when I think it's bad for the game and that's when things need to happen. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with some of the rule change, especially in the off-season, because there is obviously quite a gap between your top teams and sort of even the middle to, to bottom teams. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, down the track with the NRL. But that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, thank you for your support and good night. <laughs> <laughs>